brought your Bible this morning, and I hope that you have. Turn with me uh, to the book of Mark. No, I'm sorry, that's where we was at last week. To the book of Matthew. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. I'm still thinking about last week's sermon. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. I'd like to just begin by just reading one verse to you, verse 13, and then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Matthew, chapter 5, and verse 13. I'll give you just a moment to find it. Matthew chapter 5. Uh, as you're finding that and finding verse 13, understand that Matthew chapter 5 is where Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount. Chapters 5, 6, and 7 is, what, is the chapters that contain the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he has taken his disciples and then the multitudes and, and is teaching them. Uh, he begins the Sermon on the Mount by going through what we know as the Beatitudes, where you know it goes through blessed are the poor in spirit and you know, blessed are the meek, um, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are the meek, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. And we go through the Beatitudes. The very next verse after that, right, we go through all the Beatitudes. Verse 12 is a little bit of um, explanation on one of those uh, Beatitudes. And then immediately with verse 13, we have this, right, the very next verse after them. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Let's pray together. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you one more time here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and the many blessings. Thank you for each one who's come our way this morning. Thank you, Lord, for our church family. We thank you, Lord, for the roof you put over our head. Uh, the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have to be able to gather here openly and, and freely without fear of persecution. Lord, we thank you for each one who fought, each one who sacrificed, each one who bled, each one who died, so that we can have that freedom. But we know that ultimately that freedom is a gift from you, so we give you all the praise and all the glory. And Lord, I just pray as we go forward here this morning, that, that everyone, above everything else and anything else in the service, that everyone would walk out of here realizing how precious of a gift Jesus is. That you sent him and that you give him so that we might have life and have that life eternally and abundantly. So that we might be able to be made right with you, be reconciled to you, to one day spend eternity with you in heaven. Lord, I'm afraid that too often we take that for granted. We think about the daily things that we face and we forget what's most important. So Lord, my prayer this morning is none of us would take the gift of Jesus that you give and sent your only begotten Son, that he shed his lifeblood on Calvary's cross, not for his sins, not for him, but for us. We wouldn't take that lightly. We wouldn't take it for granted. But we would be a people that would always, always have praise and glory on our lips for you because you alone are worthy of it. And Lord, I pray as we go forward here this morning in this service, Lord, that you would just continue to move in our midst. God, there's nothing hidden from you. There's no surprises here. Uh, Lord, you, there's nothing that you don't know. 
And so, Lord, I'm just praying right now, Lord, that you would move upon each and every one of us in a mighty way. God, that you would stir our hearts, Lord, that you'd draw us near to you. God, if there is anything in our heart or in our life that doesn't please you, doesn't bring you glory, Lord, will you bring it to our attention? God, my prayer this morning is, is that you'd pour out that old-time Holy Ghost conviction upon us and you wouldn't give us any peace until we'd repent and get things right with you, Lord, till we wouldn't let anything come between us and you. Lord, because that is the most important thing in this life and in our walk is our relationship with you. And Lord, I pray above even those, even that, that if there is any among us here this morning that's lost and undone, any that doesn't know you, have never known you, do not have a relationship with you or have backslidden, uh, not where they ought to be and where they once were, Lord, let today be the day. Let today be the day that they would receive you. Let today be the day that they would accept you. Let today be the day that they would recommit their commitment to you, whatever the case may be. But Lord, I'm just praying, Lord, that you would prick their hearts and they would turn to you before it's everlasting too late. And Lord, let me ask one last thing of you this morning. Uh, I feel so unworthy, I don't even feel right asking you, but God, you tell us to cast our cares upon you. Lord, I need your help this morning. I can't preach without you, and I know that. I got nothing worth saying unless you give it to me. So Lord, I'm asking that you clear my mind of everything, but your message, your words, your thoughts. You place on my tongue the very words you'd have me to speak this morning. And I'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. Lord, I'm asking for your holy unction, for your anointing. Lord, pour yourself out on us here this morning. And we'll give you the glory because we love you, we worship you, we praise your holy name. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. In verse 13, Jesus is talking about salt. All right, so let's uh, let's begin there and let's talk about it this morning, right? I guess the first question is, what is salt? Um, you might think, you know, everybody here is, well, I know what salt is, but let's just, you know, what's Jesus getting at here? What's the point, right? What is he trying to tell us? I think we probably should start pretty simple. I've discovered uh, in the course of time as I've read and studied the scriptures, there's a lot of times, uh, there, there's a lot of words that I thought I understood and I thought I knew what all they meant until uh, the Holy Spirit prompted me to dig in a little more, right? And maybe sometimes doing something as simple as opening a dictionary and reading the definition and being surprised. Hmm, that didn't mean exactly what I thought it meant or that, or that has a much broader meaning, right? Or more possible meanings than I realized that it had. And so anyways, let's just start at the very simple here. What is salt? Right, if you look up salt, it is nothing more than it's just an inexpensive chemical uh, compound, right? At this point in, in our time and in the world, right? It's a, um, what is it, sodium chloride or however you say it, right? It's a one-to-one -one ratio of that, right? It, it's, it's found in the ground, right? Uh, salt in our day and time is, it seems to be pretty readily available, therefore it is pretty inexpensive, right? Uh, it, but there, we probably, truthfully, we probably take it for granted today, right? I mean, we probably don't think anything about 
salt today. You know, we just take it for granted. It's there. It'll be on the table. It'll be in our cabinets. It'll be wherever we need it, whatever use we need it for. We'll have it. We can have all that we want. If it's not there, then we can go and we can get more, right? We take it pretty well for granted. But in times in the past, it's been highly prized and even at times very costly. They say that at least a part of, uh, at one time in history, that the Roman soldiers was partially paid. Part of their pay was in salt. Actually, the expression, he's not worth his salt. You ever heard of that before? Not worth his salt or, you know, whatever. Right? That expression actually started in Greece where they would, where sometimes salt was traded for slaves. That's how valuable it has been at times in the past. I've heard say that there are over 14,000 uses for salt. Um, I sure couldn't name them all to you. I couldn't even begin. Right? But that should tell us that using salt in our food is just a small part of what salt is used for. I personally, in my life, have primarily only used salt in two ways, right? I've used it to season my food with, and I've used it to melt ice with. And in both, in both instances, that salt makes a big difference. I guarantee you it does. You know what? Jesus says here, ye are the salt of the earth. You know, we too as Christians, we should make a big difference in the lives of others. I think that's why Jesus said that you're the salt of the earth. Can I, let me just share a few things with you this morning. I've got five things that I want to share with you real quick this morning Five things that salt does. All right? We'll start, we'll start with the first two that I know that I usually use salt for. First thing let's talk about is salt gives flavor. Right? In other words, we season our food with it. You can, you can, take, uh, you can take some food uh, that's probably just pretty bland and without a whole lot of taste, and you can put just a little bit of salt on there. You don't have to put a lot of salt on there. You don't have to put so much until it tastes salty. But you can put a, lot of, a little bit of salt on there, and it's amazing how it can bring out the flavor, right, and how much that it can improve the taste, right? Uh, one of my favorite foods, and I know you've heard me tell this story before because I, or talk about this before, uh, but anyways, one of my favorite foods is tomatoes. I just love tomatoes. I really don't care how you fix them. I just like them, all right? You can, you can fry them. You can bake them. You can take and make a sauce out of them, tomato sauce, spaghetti sauce, pizza sauce, you know, marinara sauce. We can just keep going right on down the line, right? You can make a sauce out of them. You can saute tomatoes. You can put them on something. You can put them in something. Or you can just slice them, and they're good. I like them, and I'll tell you what, you can't beat a good old-fashioned bacon tomato sandwich that's made with, this, with tomatoes that's fresh out of the garden. You just can't beat it. But no matter how you fix them, they need just a little bit of salt. 
They need just a little bit in, of salt. It just it enhances the flavor of the tomatoes, and it just really helps to bring it out. But let me tell you something. It's got to be real salt, not that fake stuff. I'm telling you right now, salt substitute just ruins everything it goes on. I, I used to work for Mr. Don when he had his garage open down in Kabul. I worked for him for a while. And I was down there, and at lunchtime I was by myself, and I was there in the office, and we had a table set there, and there was kind of a shelf here above the table. We'd keep salt and pepper and, you know, paper towels and things up there. And anyways, I'd sat down there, and it was, it was a little later in the year than this right now because we had some fresh tomatoes out of the garden. I don't remember what all I had for my lunch today, but here's what I do remember, is I had some really nice-looking right, uh, tomato that Jennifer had sliced that morning and put in my lunch. And I, I like to just sometimes just sit down with slices of tomato, sprinkle a little bit of salt on it, and eat it, you know, just, just like that, you know. And I had that that morning, and I, they were Arkansas Travelers were my favorite, and they were some Arkansas Travelers, and they were good-looking ones, right? And, and they were maybe not the first ones to come out of the garden this, that year, but anyways, I was look I was looking forward to it. And I sat down there that more or that afternoon and whenever I was eating my lunch and I'd wretch up there on that shelf, got a little bit of salt, had salted my tomatoes just a little bit, not too much, right, but enough to bring out the flavor. And anyways, whenever I bit into that tomato, I'm telling you my old mouth curled up. I, I did not know. The first thing that went through my mind is something bad is wrong with this tomato. I don't know what it is. Well, a little time, a little investigation, and Don may have come in or his mom may have come in and pointed out the problem. But you see, Don's dad at that time, he was still uh, with us. And anyways, uh, he had used, because of different health issues he'd had and stuff like that, salt substitute. And that's what I had grabbed and ruined my tomatoes with that day, was that salt substitute. It ain't the real thing, and it don't do the same thing that the real thing does. I told you that a little bit of salt really brings out the flavor. It enhances the flavor. Church, I told you all that to ask you this. When was the last time that your life added flavor to an unbeliever's life? When's the last time your life had a positive, enhancing effect on the life of someone who is lost, someone who is not a believer in Jesus Christ, someone who is out there hopelessly wandering around in this dark world. You know, the life of an unbeliever has no real flavor. Sure, they may think that they're having a good time, right? They may think that whatever it is they're doing, whether it's drinking or, 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 or doping or, you know, you could just go on down the list, right? They may think that those things are enhancing their life and making it flavorful and bringing out a, a little bit of flavor. But let me tell you something. It doesn't. It doesn't. It causes more problems than good. It does. You couldn't even say good. It causes more problems uh, than problems pleasures uh, that, that is created by it or, or, or what is thought to be pleasures, right? It causes more problems than real pleasure. The unbelievers, uh, right? The unbeliever may be a, a, some sort of great humanitarian and done some 
great things and great works uh, for society. But their life still has no flavor. Real life is only found in Jesus Christ. That's it. That is it. And that's so hard sometimes uh, to, for us to comprehend and realize. A well-known missionary of the past century once said, Only one life will soon be passed. And only what is done for Christ will last. So what does salt do? It gives it flavor, right? It enhances things. What was the other thing I told you that I've used salt for? Melt nice, right? Uh, I've used it from melt nice on my sidewalk to uh, melt nice out front here. To I worked for the county road department back when we lived in Christian County for a few years, and we would sprinkle salt on the road to, uh, to melt the ice. Uh, and now, exactly why and how the the ice uh, that salt melts ice, I don't know. Some of you smarter than me can probably explain it later. I never looked into it, but I'm not sure exactly how it works, but I know this. I know that if the temperature uh, get up to about 20 degrees or above, you can sprinkle a little salt on that ice, and it, sure enough, it will melt it, right? That's what I know for sure. <laughs> I said salt is what we put on our steps and our walkways when there's ice there. Salt is what the road departments use to, you know, of course, I know they've got some chemicals they use now also. But they still put salt on the roads when they're icy. And I thought about that melting effect that salt has. And Jesus said, ye are the salt of the earth. You know what? Many people's hearts are frozen with the sins and the cares of this world. They desperately need to have them melted, right? To have their hearts melted. You and I can be an instrument that God uses to melt those hearts. I mean, after all, that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, ye, that is plural. That's the you all, right? He's saying all of y'all are the salt of the earth. So, salt uh, gives flavor, adds flavor, enhances, right? Salt melts, melts ice. You know what else salt does? Salt preserves. It sure does. Now, not we don't use it that way in our day too much, but uh, back in the days before modern times, right, before modern methods of keeping uh, food like refrigeration and things like that, people would use salt to preserve their meat. I actually think, and, and I, you can correct me, but I actually think that you can still buy salt-cured hams and some things like that. I, I, I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, but anyway, salt preserves, right? It does it by controlling the growth of, of bacteria in, in, in fungus, right? It, it, it hinders the corruption, right? It hinders the corruption of the meat or the food or whatever. They even say that you can uh, uh, that cut flowers, will last longer if you put a pinch of salt in there. I don't know if that's true, but I've heard that all my life. You know what? Christians can have and should have a stabilizing or preserving effect on the world. Right? Through our teaching, through the lives that we live, through living out the Word of God through following his commands, his moral laws, 
We should have a, uh, we should be a strong force to preserve good and to restrain evil in the world. We should have that same effect in our families, in our workplaces, in our community, wherever we go. We should have that stabilizing, preserving, right, that hindering corruption effect wherever we go. I think that's part of what he's saying there. Salt preserves. You know what else? You know what else salt does? Salt causes thirst. Right? Salt will make you thirsty. You know, there's the old saying, and, and I say it all the time, that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, I need to amend that a little bit. You can make a horse drink if you give him enough salt. <laughs> it's true. You give him enough salt, and you can make him drink. Why is it you think they put salt blocks out there by a water source for them old cows or for deer or whatever? Right? Salt makes them thirsty. Uh, You've got to be careful, right, in the wintertime, giving them too much salt, get them drink too much, and so on and so forth. But anyways, salt has that effect. You know, as I was studying and praying and just kind of wondering about where the Lord would have me to go with this, I hear people say that, you know, talking about having trouble winning somebody to Christ. That's usually when we pull out that saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I've said it and say it, you know, many times. But is it possible? Is it possible that the reason we can't make that horse drink is because the life that we, in other words, can't interest that unbeliever in Christ is because the life that we're living is not salty enough to cause thirst? You ever thought about that? Is it possible that the, that the, the witness that we have before them in the life that we're living, right? Words are cheap, right? It's actions that matter, right? And, and so anyways, uh, uh, is it possible that the life that we are living before them is not salty enough to cause them to thirst for Christ? Listen to me. I want my life to count for Jesus Christ. I want to call I want it to cause people to thirst for Jesus. Colossians 4 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Can I throw one last thing out there? What have we what have we said so far? Salt um, gives flavor, right? It enhances. Salt melts ice. Salt preserves. Salt causes thirst. You know what else? Salt can sting a little bit, too. It sure can. You put it in a wound, right, or a cut, salt will sting. It does, Right? If it gets in a wound, listen, you can even, right, have some salt on your hands or your hands be salty from having sweat a little bit and rub it in your eye, right? What will happen? Next thing you know, you got a sting. It's burning, right? Uh, listen to me. 
if there was ever a time in this world that we needed to stand for what is right and against what is wrong, now is it. Now I realize I got, you know, I, I probably give you enough of that kind of stuff last week to last you just a little while, right? I probably got uh, about politics and the state of society enough last week to do us for a week or two, but let me, listen to me. We need to stand. We need to stand for God, for His Word. We live in a day and a time where society is absolutely turning against the Word of God, right? They, they want, to, want us to water it down to such a point that it has no effect whatsoever. They want us as Christians to be so deluded, right, as to we would not have any effect, right? We wouldn't have the effect of salt on society, right? There would be no enhancing of the flavor of it, right? There would be no preserving effect. There would be no melting the hearts that are frozen with sin and the cares of the world, right? There would be no cause of thirst but thirst for Jesus Christ. And there would be no sting of conviction. So often. Do you realize the next verse, and I'm not going there today, but the next verse is talking about light, being light of the world. The very, our very presence as a Christian shines light, right? It's not our light, it's Christ's light, right? But it shines light onto that darkness and exposes what is in it. Man, the flesh, the human nature, the things that thrive in that darkness absolutely hates to be exposed. Church, you ever wondered why the, why the world is lashing out so hard and so harshly right now? You look out and you look across, just look at our nation. Just look at the things that you see, you know, on the news, on your television, the things that you hear about and read about in the newspaper. Have you ever seen a time like this before? Isn't that what I preached about out of Mark 13 last week? Listen to me. If there was ever a time to stand for what is right and stand against what is wrong, now, and yes, we are throwing salt in the wound when we do that, and it will sting, and it will cause, uh, uh, it will absolutely cause anger and lashing out. It sure will, but that is what our job is. That's why Jesus said, you are the salt of the world. Sometimes, Sometimes what we have to say about, st- about sin stings. But you know what? It's got to sting a little bit before the healing can start. That's just the way it is. That is just how it is. The sting is actually how you know it is working. Jesus said, ye are the salt of the earth. Ye, plural. All of us. Not just a select few, right? Not just the the preachers or just the preachers and the Sunday school teachers. Not just, you know, we all can go through and we can look around and we can pick out a couple people that we think are, uh, you know, exemplary examples of, uh, uh, of, of Christianity. And we just almost think of them as super Christians or super spiritual people. 
He wasn't just talking to those people. He was talking to all of us. All of us who are Christians. All of us who name the name of Christ. All of us who are saved. All of us are the salt of the earth. It's, we've have, we have a job to do. And we must, that's our purpose. Therefore, we must purpose and we must, we must pray that we will be the salt that helps someone to Jesus. That we are the salt that makes the difference in the life of that person who's lost and undone, that person who's headed to hell. Right? You realize that, right? We like to talk about heaven, and just as sure as there's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shine. One is just as real as the other. Do you realize that your influence, right? That's what that salt is, is influence. Your influence in somebody's life might be the difference between heaven and hell. Might be the difference in the decision that they make. We must do our best to be effective for God by keeping our flavor. That's what he goes on and talks about in this verse, right? You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, right? In other words, if the salt has lost its flavor, if the salt no longer does what the salt is supposed to do, then it goes on and says, wherewith shall it be salty? Right? How in the world is it going to get its saltiness back? It is henceforth good for nothing to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Right? When the salt quits doing what it's supposed to do, it is good for nothing. Throw it out, throw it away. It's not good for anything but to be trampled underfoot. That was the point of my my story earlier. That salt substitute. No, oh, I'm sure the doctor, if there was a doctor here, he'd be mad at me for saying this. That salt substitute, it's no good. It's just like that salt that's lost its flavor, lost its savor, right? Its effect. It just needs to be thrown away because it ain't nothing but a bad imitation. So I got one question for you this morning and I'm closing. Are you the salt of the earth or are you just a salt substitute? Seriously. You're one or the other, right? You're all sitting here this morning and you name the name of Christ, right? You're wearing the Christian name tag, right? You leave here with that on. You realize that, right? Whether you might, you might be sitting back there saying, whoa, now wait a minute. Now, now listen, all, all that matters is when we're talking about your witness here and what people think and the effect you have on other people, all that matters is what they see and what they perceive. They see you here this morning and they assume you're here this morning because you are a Christian, right? They don't understand this, you know, truly born again thing and, and how we have people that sit in church week after week, right, that's not really been born again, that's not really saved, that's not really a Christian. They just show up because they think it's the right thing to do or to try to please somebody or satisfy somebody, right? 
In other words, they show up for all the wrong reasons, right? And they just go through the motions. They just sat there, right? So often they just come wanting, thinking maybe it's a, a source of good, wholesome entertainment. And they're looking to be entertained or have itching ears tickled or whatever the case may be, right? The world doesn't understand any of those things. They see you here this morning and they assume since you are here this morning, you are a Christian. And when you leave here this morning, they watch what you do, right? They remember what you say, right? The things that you do and you say, the life that you live, it has an effect. And my question this morning is, is are you the real thing? If you're the real thing, you're salt. And it will make a big difference. Jesus says if you're not, then you're worthless and good for nothing to be trampled underfoot, to be thrown out. So what is it this morning? Are you salt? Or are you salt substitute? Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you a chance to come this morning. If the Spirit of God is dealing with you, would you come this morning? If you've got a need, if you've got a heavy burden, would you come this morning? Right? Whatever it is, don't miss this opportunity. Maybe God's burdened your heart with somebody. Come pray for them. Maybe it's you. Maybe you've realized, right? Uh, You've not been having the effect that you should have. You've not been the witness that you ought to be. Now's a good time to come and lay it out there and talk to the Lord about it. Whatever the need, whatever the burden, right? If you realize this morning for the first time that you're lost and you're undone, would you come this morning before it's everlasting too late? Don't miss this opportunity. Would you come this morning? Whatever it is, would you come?